Hi, this is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. Olympic Marathon. A female runner has to complete the 26-mile course in less than two hours and 45 minutes in order to qualify. Beth started the race strong, but she began having trouble around mile 23. She reached the final straightaway at two hours, 43 minutes, two minutes left to qualify. 200 yards from the finish line, she stumbled and fell and stayed down for a very long 20 seconds. The crowd started cheering her on, get up, get up, get up. The the clock was ticking, two hours, 44 minutes, less than a minute to go. Beth Ann staggered to her feet and began walking. Five yards short of the finish line, she fell again with 10 seconds remaining on the clock. She began to crawl, the crowd cheering her on. She crossed the finish line on her hands and knees. Her time, she was not going to give up. Her time was two hours, 44 minutes, 57 seconds. Three seconds left. Hebrews chapter 12 urges us to run the race that's marked out for us with endurance and never give up. So I'll have you turn in your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 12, your Bible app. You can open that up to Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to read the first three verses from Hebrews 12 this morning. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and I think he's referring, of course, to the the, the men and women listed in Hebrews chapter 11, that great hall of faith, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. This is such a strong and urgent and compelling call to persevere, to stick it out, to not give up, to not throw in the towel. When we were made alive in Christ by the grace of God, through our faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, when we became Christians, we entered into a life that is full of grace and power and hope and promise. But we also stepped into a new arena that is, that is also full of, of hardship and difficulty and sickness and sorrow and pressure and pain and even death. To these things we add our own humanity, our own failings, our own failures, conflicts with people, bad habits, personal weaknesses. Then there's the world that is arrayed against God, that's against God, and that's the world in which we have to live 24-7. Add to that a host of satanic forces that are arrayed against us and committed to our failure and defeat, and you very quickly see why we need encouragement why we need endurance. 
You quickly see it. Am I right? We need, we need each other. We're supposed to encourage each other and all the more as we see the day approaching. We need each other. But we also need the, the daily encouragement that comes only from the gospel of God. Every believer in Jesus Christ is engaged in a spiritual contest. This is a spiritual marathon that ain't over till it's over. The Bible tells us to run this race with endurance. Where does that come from? (laughs) How do we do that? How do we run this race, this incredibly challenging race that's been set before us, how do we run that race with endurance? Well, first of all, we need to consider the, the, the best preparation for running. I mean, every spiritual contest, every Olympic athlete, every professional athlete is constantly training, training, training. There's a high degree of preparation involved in athletics. There's also a high degree of preparation required for running the spiritual race that is set before us. Verse 1 of Hebrews 12 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. We we cannot run this race well if we don't take the writer's words seriously and prepare properly for the race. One translation says, let's throw off everything that hinders. So we have some personal responsibility here. Uh, New Living Translation says, let's strip off every weight that slows us down. And the New American Standard puts it like this, let us also lay aside every encumbrance. And encumbrance is, is excess weight. It's, it's needless baggage. It's pointless paraphernalia. It's stuff that you don't need and shouldn't have hanging on to you. I mean... Listen, we just moved into a new house. And there are boxes downstairs now that I'm sure will still be there five years from now. If you don't use it, you don't need it. So, same applies here. This is, this is stuff in our lives that, you know, it, these things may not necessarily be bad things, but they, they keep us from the best. Some things may not be wrong in themselves, but they're, they're those little things that keep us from the very best that God has for us. Have you ever heard the saying that the good is the enemy of the best? Sometimes we settle for good enough when God wants us to keep stretching and striving for the best. So don't let good keep you from the best. We're supposed to lay these things aside that distract us, that keep us, that hold us back. For eight years, Sally had been the Romero family pet. When, when they got her, she wasn't much longer than a foot-long hot dog. But eventually she grew and grew and grew. And, and she reached 11 and a half feet. And, and she weighed 80 pounds. Then on July 20th, Sally, a Burmese python snake, wrapped itself around 15-year-old Derek teenager in the family home and suffocated him to death. The little things, worldly habits that seem so 
small at first, so insignificant at first. If we feed them, they just continue to grow and grow and grow until they eventually suffocate the spiritual life right out of you. Tolerate or ignore little things and eventually they will strangle you and lead to spiritual death. I'm talking about an indifferent attitude or procrastination or bitterness or an unforgiving spirit or little white lies. There's no such thing. Apathy, impatience, greed, malice, gossip. I mean, all these things hinder us from running the race. Do you see that? They hinder us from running the race well and finishing the marathon. They pile up quickly if we let them. And the advice of Scripture, let us throw off to get rid of it. Throw off those things that hinder us and keep us from the very best. That's the best preparation for running the race. By God's grace and with His help and His power and His strength, get rid of the rubble. Dispose of the debris. Take the boxes out of your spiritual soul's basement and get rid of it. Take it to the dump. Travel light. Keep your account current with God. Does that make sense? That's the best preparation for running the race. So we should also talk about technique. The finest technique for running. Scripture says, lay aside every weight. Let's run with endurance the race that's set before us. And then verse 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So as, as runners, our eyes uh, should be trained, should be fixed on the Lord Jesus Christ, because he is our goal. He is the finish line. He's the prize that we're running for. The earlier witnesses like, like Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, Moses, Gideon, Barak, Samson, David, all, and all the rest of the heroes of faith listed in Hebrews chapter 12, just the previous chapter to this one, all of these men and women supply incentive in abundance. They, they bring motivation to the table. They deliver encouragement to us to keep running the race, right? But only in Jesus Christ do we have the author and perfecter of our faith? Only in Jesus Christ do we have an example of one who went to the cross and for the joy that was set before him despised its shame. Only Jesus can make that claim. None of the other heroes of the faith in Hebrews 11. Not even your most beloved pastor from when you were a kid can make that claim. Nobody but Jesus. Only Jesus came from heaven. Only Jesus died to save us. Only Jesus came out of the grave alive. Only Jesus rescues us from sin. Only Jesus sits at the right hand of God the Father making intercession for us. Only Jesus. So we need to keep our eyes fixed on Him. We need to look to Him at all times. A few years ago, in a cross-country championship race held in Riverside, California, 123 out of 128 runners took a wrong turn. They just went the wrong way. One competitor by the name of Mike Del Cavo stayed on course. He stayed on course, and he tried to wave his fellow runners over to follow him. You know, come on, this is the right way to go. Come on. Only he could convince only four other runners to come with him. 
So only five runners out of 128 finished the race. In the same way, our goal is to stay on course and finish the race. Amen? That's what this is about. Stay on course and finish the race. Jesus is the one who stands on the narrow road, waving for us to follow. How many of us will finish the race? Hmm? How many of us here today will finish the race? We cannot yield to the distractions on the sidelines. And have you noticed there are a few distractions out there? (laughs) They're everywhere, they're everywhere. Look out, look out! The sky is falling, the sky is falling! All kinds of distractions out there. We can't give in to those things because Jesus did not give in. He did not yield to the distractions and neither should we. His face was was set like a flint toward Jerusalem. He knew what he was about. He knew what God had called him to do. Instead, the Bible says, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of God the Father. To die by crucifixion was to plumb the depths of deepest disgrace. See, Roman citizens, it was unlawful for Roman citizens to be crucified because it was just the the cruelest form of punishment, and it was a degrading kind of death. And, and Romans would not allow fellow Romans to be crucified. So this was reserved for non-citizens and the, the worst of the worst. But Jesus did not regard this kind of disgrace to be something worthy of consideration. He didn't care what people thought about crucifixion. He was going to the cross because that was the will of God for him. And he endured the cross with joy and despised its shame because he knew that he was following the will of the Father. Didn't matter to him. Obedience mattered most. Who cares what the Romans think about crucifixion? And we might say this morning, obedience matters most. Who cares what your neighbors think? Who cares what your friends say? Who cares what fellow employees think of you? when you open your New Testament at lunchtime and read a verse or two of Scripture. Who cares? Obedience matters most. So Jesus brought faith to perfection by the endurance of the cross and His obedience to the will of God. And and now the, the place of exaltation has been given to Jesus. He's been seated at the right hand of God the Father. The right hand always is a, is a position of honor and authority and dignity. And that's where he sits at the right hand of the throne of God. He's been exalted and there is no other name given under heaven by which we must be saved. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is above every other name. And at that name every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus was exalted by the Father. And so the very best technique for running that I know is to keep looking to Jesus. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Does that make sense? He knows the way. So all all we need to do is follow Him. We need to obey Him and trust in Him. And He will get us there. He knows the way. It's a narrow road. It's a narrow path. And few are those who find it. I hope to see you at the finish line. We talked about preparation and technique for running the race, but what about attitude? Is that important? 
Is attitude important? <laughs> Why else would professional sports teams pay hundreds of thousands of dollars a year for sports psychologists if attitude wasn't important? It's, it's, it's extremely important in, in all that we do. Hebrews 12.3, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. So once again, we hear this call to perseverance in the face of hardship or tribulations or threats from Iran or President Trump. We have to persevere in the face of hardship. Consider, consider him. Consider means to reckon, to compare, to think deeply about, to weigh carefully. This Greek word used here in Hebrews 12.3 is actually a, matic, a mathematical term. It's used in mathematical calculations. So we're being called to, we're being encouraged to take account of Jesus. To reckon with Him. The, the idea is that I should meditate, I should think about, I should fill my mind, I should consider Jesus 24-7. What does He think about this and what does He think about that? That's what really matters. Psalm 25, 15, the psalmist put it like this, My eyes, my eyes are ever on the Lord, for only He, only He will release my feet from the snare. So a, a heavenly mindset. The proper attitude for running the race requires a conscious decision and a continuous effort to keep my primary goal in focus. I have to keep looking to Jesus. I have, I have to keep focusing on Him. And I have to allow my attitude, my mindset to be, to be impacted by Him. You know, most runners are very careful. Most athletes are very careful about what they eat just before the contest, just before the game, just before the race. I was thinking this morning that years ago when I was uh, in Bible college in, in Regina, I was asked several times to be the chapel speaker for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Go green. And chapel always took place in, 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 uh, in connection with the pregame meal. And so I got to enjoy a nice meal with these guys. But I'm telling you, there's something very intimidating about sitting between two defensive linebackers who weigh about 280 pounds apiece... And the, the, the mound of food those guys would eat would be incredible. I, thought, I, I wouldn't be able to move, never, never mind play football. I wouldn't be able to move for three days if I ate what they ate pregame. But it was all measured and calculated to give them energy on reserve when they needed it most. The, the food was very specifically weighed and, and created and cooked and, and chosen, selected for that individual so that they had the kind of energy on reserve that they needed when they needed it. It was going to be there. Similarly, meditating on Jesus Christ and, and being preoccupied with Him brings us bursts of spiritual energy exactly when we need it most. The old adage, garbage in, garbage out. If you just fill your heart and your mind with the garbage that you see on TV and in movies and you never fill your mind, your heart with the words of Scripture, you never take time to meditate on Jesus, garbage in, garbage out. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. If, if you've been raised with Christ, 
Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. And really what he, as I said a moment ago, what he thinks of me and what I think of him and about him, that, that's what really is, is important. And it's a principle that is well illustrated in the life of, of Steve Lyons, who was a professional baseball player. Steve could be remembered as an outstanding infielder. I mean, the guy was good. Or he could be remembered as the only player who ever played every position for the Chicago White Sox. Or he might be remembered as the guy who always dove into first base when things were tight. But he won't be. He won't be remembered for any of those things. Instead, instead Steve Lyons will be, be remembered as the player who dropped his pants on the field. July 16, 1990. I, I just happen to have a little video clip of that game that I want to show you this morning. It's not great quality, but I think you'll get the picture. Here we go. There's the bunt. That could be trouble as Petrie. No, Stevie dives in and beats it. Good effort by Steve Lyons. That'll be a base hit right there. Good job. I'll tell you one thing, not a bad defensive play either by the Tigers. Did you see that? Mm -hmm. He's going to get the dirt out, and all of a sudden he unbuckled his pants, and they fell down. Mm -hmm. <laughs> one of life's The face is about the same color as the bill of that cap right now. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> geez, I don't think that's really the proper place to do that. But he forgot where he was. Yeah. He had a vapor lock. Yeah. He had a brain cramp. Oh my! So, the Sox were playing the Tigers in Detroit. Lions bunts down, races down to first base, dives headfirst into first base, safe. And you saw it. Completely absorbed in the game. He's not thinking about the crowd. He's thinking about the game. But he stands up and he feels dirt trickling down his pants without even thinking. He undoes his belt and drops his drawers and, uh-oh. <laughs> 20,000 jaws hit the stadium floor. Uh, and, and, you know, within 24 hours of that exposure, Steve had more exposure than he'd had in his entire career. Seven television Stations did an interview with him. Twenty radio stations had him on the air. The guy that dropped his pants. Oh, man. I don't know Steve Lyons, and I'm certainly not a Chicago White Sox fan, but this guy deserves a trophy, don't you think? I mean, really. He, he, he paid the price. He, he dove into first base. He got dirty doing it. But the attitude, the attitude... He was more concerned about the outcome of the game than what people in the stands were thinking of him. He was more concerned about getting around to home plate again than he was thinking about his own pride. He didn't really care. And I think we need people in the church today who are more eager to please God than they are anyone or anything else. And I think we need disciples of Jesus Christ who are willing to dive headfirst 
into, uh, into loving God and loving others and growing in their faith and serving the Lord. We need men and women who, who refuse to grow weary and, and lose heart to the point where they give up. I, I think we need young people to say no to a greedy, uh, narcissistic culture and say yes to living on mission and yes to Jesus Christ and follow Him in His calling, whatever His call may be. And I think, my friends, we need people of faith who can run with perseverance the race that has been marked out for us. Do you agree? Say amen. Amen. Personal faith in Jesus Christ is not some sort of mystical adventure. It's the daily fiber that keeps us running the race with endurance. Personal faith. And in order to run the race, in order to have the kind of faith we need, we need to receive the grace of God on a daily basis. Intake. Receive the grace that God has to offer. And remember that you are never alone. God said, never will I leave you. and Never will I forsake you. You can take that to the bank. Hebrews 12, 1 and 3 reminds us that every believer in Jesus Christ is engaged in a spiritual marathon. We're running the race of our lives. And we can't give up. We must not give up. Maybe you've tasted all that this world has to offer. Maybe you're one of those guys or one of those gals at Christmas time. You know, the kids come and say, Nana, what, what can we get for you for Christmas? And you can't think of a blessed thing. Why? Because you, you, you got all that you need. You, you, you've tasted all that the world has to offer. You don't want any or need anything. But you know, there are people like that who've tasted of everything the world has to offer, but they're not satisfied. They're just not satisfied. And you will never be satisfied and you will never be fulfilled until you come to that place where you are living in full surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. That your eyes are fixed on Him and Him alone. And your attitude is one of of, of desiring glory and honor for God, not for yourself. Living in a stance of full surrender with uplifted hands. Just saying, Lord, here, here it is. Here I am. I, I, I'm holding back nothing. Look, I come with open hands, empty hands in surrender. Only by the grace of God, when I fully surrender my heart, only by the grace of God, when I obey the will of God, can I run this race with perseverance and finish the race. Hope to see you at the finish line. Would you pray with me? Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we come this morning in an attitude of deep and full surrender to you and to your will. I think we have a church full of people who really want to run this race with endurance and finish and finish well. We're eager, Lord, to receive the grace that you have available for us today. Would you pour out your grace and favor upon us again this morning as we deeply consider our response to this word from Hebrews chapter 12. Father, please, would you please forgive us for taking so long to see that Jesus is all we need. Amen.